Welcome to the Ecclesia Podcast. Join us as we engage in conversations about what it means to be the church in this age. We believe God is calling the church into a different mode of being, living beyond the status quo. Hello, listeners. My name is Joel. Welcome to the KGF Ecclesia Podcast, taking a look at the local church. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and joining me today on my left, Marissa Burns. Howdy, Joel. <laughs> we got Phil Wagler, our lead pastor. Hello, Joel. And we have Kathy Lindsay from the board. Hello, Joel. Uh, today, we're going to be chatting about a document and a video that Pastor Phil wrote slash recorded last week uh, called Paniversary. Uh, it's, a, it's a document that was written to help us focus on some of the main things that the church is supposed to be about in a time of pandemic and taking a look at the last year. Uh, last week marks the year of the COVID-19 pandemic. Which is crazy. Which is crazy <laughs> that it's been a whole year already. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to preface this conversation, none of us are experts on this stuff. None of us <laughs> know everything and have all the answers. Well, Kathy does. That's no. why we brought her <laughs> here. No, Kathy doesn't. No, Kathy uh, really I doesn't. I asked her. And, um, so uh, we're just here to model a conversation, have a conversation, mm-hmm. to dig into some of the points uh, that Phil wrote in his document, and just to have a better understanding what it means to be the church in a time like this mm-hmm. so and um, hopefully ask questions that that invite further conversation and so for whoever's listening if if there's a question here that you feel hasn't been asked you know reach out to us um but as as we have this conversation um be paying attention to to what god has for you and the questions that arise in you as you hear what uh what we're talking about for sure. Um, just for reference, as we go through uh, our conversation, um, if you want to find this document, you can find it from our website, kgfchurch.com. Um, it's under the community section as of right now in our website. Uh, you can find the document there as well as you can watch a video or listen uh, listen to the video uh, mm-hmm. that Phil recorded with our tech director, Galen, last week. So you can, you can find that there and you could even probably follow along as we kind of walk through it. Phil, why don't you kick us off? Um, my first question for you is, uh, talk to us about what the, what we've learned this past year about the nature of the church. Hmm. What is the nature of the church, and what have we learned this past year? Yeah, that's a really good question, Joel. I, 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 part of what was uh, stirring in me when I thought about the past year and why I started to write this was, of course, there's so much you know, there's so much reactivity going on and we're all trying to figure stuff out in every element and aspect of our lives from work to home to simply going to get something at the store. Like everything Mm -hmm. is been different over this last year. And so maybe it's partially the way I'm wired as well, but uh, I just felt, wow, we're at an anniversary um, of one year of this. It might be good for me I was speaking to myself, might be good for me to pause and reflect on the last year and say, what should we learn? Mm. So it's really easy to react in the moment or to just see this thing that we're living in this week and how frustrated we might be or tired or exhausted or whatever the the emotion is we're feeling. But I wanted to like look back. And that was one of the things that has become more and more clear to me personally is like this question of the nature of the church because... Uh, this this struggle for even Christians to understand what is the church 
was pre-COVID. <laughs> you know, we were all trying to understand what is this thing? Is it an organization? Uh, we always say we're going to church. And so in some ways we use it as a noun, as a building, right? Um, whereas biblically, if we really wrestle with the nature of the church, we all know it's the people of God, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the, and even the word Jesus uses in the New Testament, the word Paul uses in the New Testament is ecclesia, which is the name of this podcast. But the ecclesia was a people called out by the grace of God to, uh, under the lordship of Jesus, to take responsibility for the place where they live. That word was used specifically before the in New Testament times, before it was ever applied to like what we understand church to be, was specifically used for kind of, it was actually a parliamentary kind of word. It was a group of people, it was like the, the town council. It was the people who were gathered together, called out by the town to take responsibility for the how the town or the city functioned. So it was a very, it, it's, it's, it's so much richer than what we have attached to it mm-hmm. uh, and so much greater, actually. And that's the word specifically that Jesus chose mm-hmm. in Matthew chapter 16. So he's not using even the word, the synagogue word. He applies a new identity to those who are his people who say, Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Lord. And he says, now I'll build my church, my ecclesia, and so the nature of the church, while in our heads, I think we've known it's the people, functionally and in practice, we've mostly lived over the last while, and I've been a pastor for 25 years or in ministry in some way, we've primarily functioned as if the church is an organization or some type of thing that we're a part of. It's like you know, there's the YMCA, I'm a part of that. There's like the Rotary Club, there's my job, and there's my church. Mm-hmm. But church is this peoplehood who have a responsibility for the place mm-hmm. under the lordship of Jesus. And so that's becoming much more clear to me. And I think COVID has exposed that, it exposed actually that we have a really small view of the church compared to the way the Bible talks about the church, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's the stuff I was wrestling with. And, you know, even hearing people who I know love Jesus wrestle with what it means to be part of church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this trajectory has been moving for a while. And COVID has just kind of like, I think that's one of the lessons. It's just kind of exploded it in our eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's because that's something that we've we've talked about as a staff, too, of this idea of um the pandemic has actually just brought everything, boiled everything up to the surface. And and there's a sense of clarity here of, you know, how are we to respond? Like we now actually get a chance. This is what I like about the idea of it being an anniversary, despite the rest of the context, um, is that when it initially hit, it wasn't anything we could prepare for. But now we can take the time to reflect and go, okay, what has been brought to the surface? And how do we now go forward and instead of simply reacting, um, initiating and preparing and responding in a way um, of, of that question of how are we to be the church now? Um, so I really, yeah, I think that's a really important point of the opportunity that we have um, to go forward. 
Yes, I agree, and I think it's not a negative thing. It's I think the Lord's at work, and it's a shaking, but it's He's got, His purposes are greater than ours, so we mm-hmm. don't fully comprehend it. But by the grace of God, here we are, mm-hmm. and so we can lean into Him and mm-hmm. seek Him. And uh, where we are confused and don't understand, we can ask for His help. So, yeah, that's a great point, Kathy. I think another piece in the journey here. Because we often use like think we'll say things like, "Well, God's in control," and sometimes I wonder if we actually believe that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all have those moments in our lives, right? But like, oh, God's in control. But uh, so another piece of this for me is like a a re uh, a centering again on the sovereignty of God. Yes, that God is in control. So is God the author of a virus and all that stuff? No. But in the mystery of God's ways, he takes the stuff of a broken world and, and moves it toward his purposes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so this is also, I think, a deep call to us as believers. And actually one of the places of hope we have to bring to the world is not feeling anxious mm-hmm. because we actually believe in the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And, and, and therefore we can be patient uh, and so as I was thinking about, oh, man, it's like one year. And, and my wife and I were looking back at some of, her, of the journal entries from a year ago, like when we picked the kids up on the last day of school before spring break in 2020, and they never went back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, then, and then some of her journal entries were things like, uh, this was in April, like, oh, we're doing this homeschool, uh, this homeschool online Zoom thing, but they're saying maybe in May or June we'll be going back to yeah. school for the kids, right? <laughs> you know, like, now you're laughing. You're thinking, oh, my goodness, yes. like, how deluded we all were. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I think one of the big pieces to center ourselves in is that it's only been one year. Yeah. And I know right now that feels like like, oh, it's been so long. Like, I feel that. But in God's sovereignty, it's just one year. <laughs> and God has his eyes on something different than we do. So to rest, if we're functioning out of anxiety or fear, that's not out of the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. So I want to discipline myself into a place of restfulness and unhurriedness because God is never hurried. And we see that in scripture all the time. We see that even in our, all our lives. We know this is in our head. This is the thing of the last year. I think we're all learning the stuff that maybe we had knew in our head, we now actually have to live. Yes. And maybe that's where the disconnect is. Yeah, and I, I can totally appreciate when you talk about fear and anxiety, because I think that is a place my head can go to, and I have to just bring it back and seek the Lord and even in the small things like I was taking the garbage out the other night and it was a beautiful clear night and just the beautiful starry sky and it's like Lord you are all over this you this is your world this is your planet and you hold us in your hands and you care for each one and I guess that's the other piece of it with the pandemic we have so much happening I have friends that have just been diagnosed with cancer I know mm-hmm. of others who have been sick with COVID and others that have died and so and yet others that are making more money than they ever have like we just have these paradoxes you know throughout and it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. but I am very thankful that 
God knows it, and he's got us covered. Mm-hmm. And so in those times when I'm overcome, it, it's good for me to just stop and look up and seek help, cry out for help. Mm-hmm. And that centering, like when we do that, it's, it sounds like for some people it might sound like that's just pie in the sky. But actually, no. It actually, when we, under, when we rest in the sovereignty of God and look at the stars even, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like think of how many times, I just this thought came to mind as you were talking, how many times over the past year did I actually just look at the stars as opposed to what's scrolling on my phone? Yeah. And so many of us have lived the past year living vicariously through CNN or Fox News or CTV or CBC or constantly scrolling, constantly scrolling, and it's added anxiety to our lives. And then Man, can you think of all the things that happened in 2020? Like I had, I saw this meme that said 2020, and you know, like the the infomercial sales guys that go like, "But wait, there's more, right?" <laughs> and so the, the meme was like 2020, but wait, there's more, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because like think of all the things that there, there were multiple wars in the world. Yes. In 2020, there was George Floyd. Like that feels like it could have been 15 years ago mm-hmm. at this point, right? Mm-hmm. There's Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Suddenly that became, like we all know now yeah. about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Like it's just, there was like a deluge of things in 2020. So if that dominated my thinking, mm-hmm. as opposed to the sovereignty of God and what that requires of me, yeah, and what it requires of us as a people, then like if we don't learn that lesson, I'm not now, I'm not sure when we're going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because... Like if this wasn't a year to like reposition ourselves in this, I'm I like w- w- honestly, what will it take? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm learning and wondering about. Yeah, but I think that's all part of our walk. It's not. I mean, I think of my own life, and I've walked with the Lord for a long time. But fear can still play a role, and I can lose sight. And so, it's. I think that's going to be something I walk out all my days. Mm-hmm. Um, A friend really uh, spoke to me earlier about a beautiful passage she had read out of Isaiah 30, 15, and then Isaiah 30, 18. Uh, It says, By waiting and by calm you shall be saved, Hmm. and quietness and confidence is your strength. Hmm. And then verse 18, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him, so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. And... You know, in those times when the news is too much, I've turned it off and I've just stopped listening for a while. It's like, okay, Lord, you're sovereign and I'm just going to lean into you because you have the big picture. And even though it looks pretty grim from this end, you've got it covered. And so it's that waiting on the Lord, leaning into him, crying out for his help, show me how to pray, all that good stuff. And he he's there. He's Mm -hmm. very much there. And I think that's really important. Like, Phil, you write this in your, in your um, article here. It's like, faith means resting in the sovereign goodness of God and his will, even when we don't understand, nor particularly want what he has permitted in the mystery of his ways. Yeah. It's that, like, what drives us to those things. So, that, so recognizing the source of what drives us to the news, what drives us to social media, is that need to understand. Mm-hmm. And in the shifting of the world... Um, that we want to grasp and maintain mm-hmm. that security. Um, and so we go 
other other ways and what you're highlighting again is what follows is in all thing god in all things god is working toward the ultimate good of christ likeness and christ witness in his children and it's like i don't often understand that enough i can say it i can over and over is that god is working all things towards good for those who love him it's like i that's why um that's I need to model what you are doing, Kathy, in the same way of instead of leaning on what I don't understand, mm-hmm. I need to to hmm. lean into what I do. That's good. Um, so I, that's an interesting point because that's where that's where I think the challenge of of this past year comes in is that there's lots we've known, mm-hmm. but now we've had to practice it. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's the difference. That that's actually true biblical knowledge, mm-hmm. right? That you may grow more and more in knowledge and love, is what the New Testament talks about, right? So you got to put this knowledge into practice, and 2020 suddenly drives it into yeah. like if we don't practice it, like I can't depend on anybody else. We can pivot a little bit into your your next point about the Great Commission. I'm going to read a quote here. Um, the hard truth is that busy church activities have not always made disciples who are radically committed to Jesus and holiness of life. Willow Creek Church in Illinois offers a warning and recent American research is chilling in its findings. And 2019 Canadian research reveals that more than half of Canadians identify as agnostic, atheist, or unreligious, with only 11% surveyed attending religious services weekly. Compared to that 67% who attended after World War II and 30% in 1996. The hard truth is that true discipleship has declined. The pandemic has revealed, helped us see how discipleship was on the decline. True discipleship was on the decline before the pandemic. And has helped us realize that... uh, Maybe some of what we're doing wasn't working. Um, so dive into that a little bit more with us, Bill. Uh, what what is what do we have to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I think the first thing is I, I think we have to actually take those statistics to heart because those are statistics, right? Like it's actually hard truth. Mm-hmm. Like the reality is that before the pandemic. If, if we've been in the church for a long time and most of your life is like streaming stuff that's church-related and listening to music that's church-related and having conversations with church people, mm-hmm. you could be duped into what the world is really like mm-hmm. and duped into what uh, Canadian society is really like. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a pastor, so most of my life ends up being in that world. So it's a discipline for me to keep reminding myself what reality is. Kathy, you're a school teacher, so mm-hmm. you actually probably have a better feel for the reality. Mm-hmm. And this is the reality. Like if you think like those 2019 statistics are stunning. Over half of Canadians would say they're agnostic, irreligious, or atheistic. Um, like that is a trajectory so now you think you fast forward 10 years that means that more than half of homes or households in canada are shape are shaping the next generation 
to be without faith mm-hmm. in terms of like, Christian faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like stunning. the trajectory is stunning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you look at that other one. If 67% of people, we, we, you know, we might look back and think the glory days, post world, <laughs> you know, post World War II, um, you know, baby boomers, Christian, you know, quote quote unquote Christian society. 67% of people attended church weekly post-World War II. Mm-hmm. 1996, so how many years ago is that? That's 25 years ago, right? <laughs> 25 years ago, 30%. So a rapid decline from over the 30 years previous, 25 to 30 years previous, and now down to 11% of weekly religious attenders. Like. So the missional moment is what we have to actually pay attention to. This great commission is the making of disciples. So if our focus right now is primarily on how do we reopen, and you know, if you've heard from me, I just hate that way of talking about the church because the church is never closed. When Jesus came out of the tomb, the church opened for good, Mm -hmm. right? But when we think about our buildings, how we use our buildings, if our focus is entirely on that and we're gonna be content in April or June or September or whenever it can be that finally we can have our be in our churches again and that is the win mm-hmm. we will have missed the moment we will have completely missed I think what Jesus has been trying to teach his church if we're not making disciples radical followers of Jesus uh, it's lost mm-hmm. like and and the the reality of those statistics show that that has not been the case. And I'm, I, I've, I've been in ministry. I'm guilty of that, right? So if we focus primarily on the church as an organizational structure where we're happy we have mm-hmm. the church we can be proud of, we've missed the point. Yeah. And so we're, we have to really, I think, over this past year, assess that and go, what does it mean for us to make disciples and how will we just focus on that? Everything we be, should be doing should be focused on that because after all, that's what Jesus told us to be about. Mm-hmm. So we might say, well, but that we have been doing that, but then why these statistics? Yeah. If that's the case, why these statistics? And then even some of the, the tensions that we're feeling in the wider culture of different laws that get put in place or you know, <laughs> our need to protest different <clears throat> things, are actually the fruit the reason we're doing that is because it's the fruit of us not making disciples mm-hmm. so now we're we feel this pressure or this fear to scream loudly for things to somehow get back to what we thought it was but we've not made radical disciples of Jesus so like we're, we're kind of reaping what we've sown so it sounds very critical I don't in some ways it is but but I don't mean it to be like badgering. It's just, I, I think it's like this wake up call, like the alarm clock is blaring and that's what I feel so passionate about. Mm-hmm. So. I guess one thing the Lord has been speaking to me about is that, yeah, we have to make disciples, but before I can disciple someone, where am I really at? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's been you know, more of a challenge to spend more time in his word and uh, and so I'm grateful for those times because he's showing me different things and it is a reckoning. And, uh, and then when I go into the workplace, I'm thinking, well, Lord, I know I'm supposed to be light. Well, there are many days I royally mess up and I did one the other day. And, 
my words were not redemptive and I had to go back to a colleague and apologize and it, you know, set it straight. But I think, you know, we are all weak and we all fail. But I think if we can look at it in terms of um, shifting our eyes, not so much on coming into the church building. I mean, I understand that people miss gathering corporately and worshiping corporately. I miss well, yeah, that too, we all absolutely. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, this is, I have to own this. I have to own my own walk with the Lord. I have to take responsibility for it. It's not up to Phil Wagler or Jolie's or Marissa Burns to set, you know, I mean, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, yes, you exhort and encourage and teach, but at the end of the day, it's on me. Mm. So, um, and that can be sobering and um, a little overwhelming. So I think it's just good to take one day at a time and mm. continue to lean in see what the Lord has. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. I, <laughs> again, I just kind of want to draw it back to the, to the, um, that boiling up of what is still there. It's always been there. Um, this is something that I've, I've experienced such fruit in, in this last year is the looking to the other, um, to, to care for and be cared by. Um, I've been like working with our teens and it's a walking alongside in, in many ways as, as it is as a mentorship. Um, and that mutual care, I actually wouldn't have had this opportunity um, had we been in, in the same uh, cycle as before COVID. Um, that's an interesting point, Marissa. Like, I think that's... Probably if we all assess our lives, like there have been things that each of us would recognize over the last year could not have happened without COVID. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's certain ways of being and, and clarity. Yeah. Uh, as simple as knowing our neighbors in new ways, right? Like yeah. um, some real clarity for people in like, you know, what work do I really want to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like there's all these things that become clear. This is where I think the discipline of going, let's just, let's not be hurried in trying to fix something. Let's learn, mm-hmm. humble ourselves, kind of like both of you are saying, receiving this moment, because the type of disciples we are in the midst of the pandemic will uh, will set the trajectory for what happens out of the pandemic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is this is actually something that joel said in his sermon um recently that i loved of how he stated of how paul um was chained to a jailer or was oh, it yeah. really the jailer yeah. chained, chained to paul i loved that because it was like oh you're so right in in like um mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not just stuck with people they're stuck with you and um and so and it just reminded me of kind of um, someone had shared with me that the Chinese word for crisis means both danger, but also um, a crucial point when something begins to change. Wow. Um, I cannot pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> uh, but it, it is, that is what this is, is we, we have felt a restriction but actually it's the opportunity that that precipice which we have to fall over um 
to get to to actually mm -hmm. understand that need to change and and with that i think comes um so it's been really easy over the last year i think for people because we you know in as a church fellowship we haven't been able to be in each other's space yeah so then it's become really easy to you know you only have conversations perhaps with people who think like you mm. um and I think one of the disciplines out of this last year is our need to be at the table and listening to those who don't agree with us. Mm -hmm. And and this is also part of our growth, I think, as the body of Christ in the world. This world is so fractured, so divided. 2020 showed that in so many ways, mm -hmm. like so many ways. that Like historians will study 2020 for the next 100 years <laughs> right like to and they'll make all kinds of declarations but we're living it but there's so much polarizing if the people of god who are reconciled to god through christ and reconciled to one another can't talk about the things that we see differently mm -hmm. can't wrestle through what it means to follow jesus together can't serve one another wash one another's feet like what hope do we have to give to a fractured world? Mm -hmm. I think this is another part of what we should be learning is the place where we come together and not let our opinions divide us. That's the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christ unites us. We are one in Christ. We don't, we don't act, when we operate that way, we're living into the identity Christ has already won for us. We're not trying to figure it out. We're trying to put it into practice, what mm -hmm. already has been declared. And, uh, you know, I know I haven't always done that well this past year. And th that is actually a shameful thing where in the church that's reality, where we pit against each other rather than go, we're one in Christ. What does it mean to be God's people now? So... Yeah, can we talk a bit about the persecution thing? Yes, I was hoping because I I've been <laughs> that just tweaked it in my I mind. Think, I think we should we should hop on the persecution thing. Hop on the what persecution does, thing. What does <laughs> the past year? What do we need to learn about the? Wow. Okay, my mind just blank for a second. What do we need to learn from the past year um, about what persecution is? How to interpret persecution? And then let's hop into what do we need to do now? Okay. In the second half of the paper. Uh, there's a ton of really good points in there, listeners, so if, uh, please do check it out, including uh, what do we need to learn from the past year about how to pray, the missional moment, um, and then let's jump into uh, how to interpret persecution. Yeah, um, I mean, we realize that, you know, we, we have a brother in Christ who's in an Alberta jail, a yeah. pastor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one example and I've been listening to things and reading different things. And there's all kinds of different ways of reading that. Um, uh, is that persecution? Is what we have experienced in the last year when churches were told not to meet like they were before, is that persecution? As I've wrestled with it, my personal, uh, where I'm at right now, is actually no. So ministries who serve the persecuted church globally. So this is informed by a couple things. One is in my Peace and Reconciliation Network work, I have conversations with church leaders all around the world. I was on a call with church denominational church leaders in Cameroon who are trying to figure out how to help the church respond to an emerging civil war in Cameroon, where the church has been some cause of the divide 
where people are literally killing each other. Mm. Um, and you know, hearing from my brother in Nepal and other where the constitution is literally at risk of being changed to a Hindu centric constitution, which would immediately cause the persecution of Christians. Mm -hmm. So organizations like Open Doors, and I put this, this quote in here, Open Doors descri uh, describes persecution as the Bible describes it as, uh, or sorry, any hostility experienced as a result of one's identification with Christ. Any hostility experienced as a result of one's identification with Christ. And I think if we just use that understanding, which is, that's our, glo that's our global church wrestling with this historically and in the present, right? Yeah. So that's the lens that we need to interpret. That should be the lens interpret. we interpret persecution through. So then we should ask the question, is what we're experiencing because of our identification with Christ? So in other words, has the government said to us, churches can't meet because you're Christians? Because you identify with Christ. Because you identify with Christ, and so we're shutting you down. And I think we'd all say, no. no. That's not what our government has said. In fact, in some ways, we're more free <laughs> to be proclaiming Christ because now every church has figured something out more of the Internet <laughs> than they did yeah. previously. And, and if it was true that it was persecution, they would also be shutting down the web like they do in other parts of the world to make it impossible for the church to use those avenues. Mm -hmm. But that is not the case. Yeah. Okay. It's not about, it's not persecution for Christ. Right. And so that's where I want to raise a big caution. If we then claim it's persecution, we have to be so wise because we may be partnering with a spirit that is actually uh, troubling in the long run to partner with. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like it could actually be a spirit of the age that is talking because yeah. if our response is out of a, a fear or anger or a, a sense of that our power and, privilege, power and privilege is being taken away, that's, that's not the spirit of Christ. Yeah. It's, a, it's like almost like a victim. Yes, it's victim. a victim mentality. Yeah. It's a victim mentality. Huh. That's not the spirit of Christ. So I think sports, and, sports fans out there aren't uh, aren't complaining that they're that they're. I'm uh, a Maple Leafs fan. I I have every right to have a victim mentality as <laughs> a Leaf, as a Leafs fan for the, my entire life. But the no, I like. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like I we no, don't be sorry. I think we need to like back up and go and just ask that very simple question. Is what the church is experiencing right now and not being able to meet together because we identify with Christ? Mm -hmm. No. No. It's inconvenient. It kind of sucks. I miss seeing people. For sure. We miss worshiping together, like yeah. you said earlier, Kathy. We miss these things. because the mode our gatherings have taken in the recent past. That's, right. That's why that being and the church is persecuted and and so the other part of that is if if we do believe it is persecution then biblically our response should be rejoicing ouch because <laughs> because the church in the new testament rejoices in suffering for the name of jesus Yikes. but i don't hear that either no i haven't no, thought of it it's again. it's complaint it's it's court battles it's it's yeah. anger it's finger pointing uh 
That's not the spirit of Jesus. That's a hard word, right? That's a very hard word mm-hmm. because in the New Testament, we rejoice that we can suffer for the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Mm-hmm. That it's a gift. Mm-hmm. But we, I think we just have to be so cautious right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. That's why I think we should be unhurried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we may declare something that six months from now or a year from now, we go like, what were we thinking? Yeah. Like we spent yeah. all that time and energy mm-hmm. when did we make a disciple? Mm-hmm. Did we did we go deeper in the word like you're saying, Kathy? I just we got to be so cautious. So yeah. so that could yeah. be criticized what I'm saying. And I totally receive that. I want to uh, I want us to talk about it. But I think it's such a subtle but powerful thing mm-hmm. to consider because the danger is we partner with the spirit of the age, which will deceive us. Yeah. And we're not to function with the weapons of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting because, again, it comes back to the, like, making disciples. We are, the world is watching us. And if they want to join us, that's the, that's the beginning of discipleship is the, the desire to join, the desire to participate. Um, and it's like, do they know us by our love and like how we respond when we, when we do feel persecuted, regardless of if, Mm -hmm. if we believe that that is our definition of it, whatever our definition of persecution is, regardless of that, how are we responding and does the world see that um, that yeah. we are fighting? F- what what are we fighting for? And it's not the who. That that you know one of the one of the scriptures I've been really kind of wrestling with Jesus about this year is when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, "You're the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Let your good deeds shine, that the world would see them and glorify your Father in heaven." Mm-hmm. So how Jesus is preparing his disciples, how you're going to live in the world, let the world see your good deeds and then they'll glorify your Father in heaven. So I think that's also an assessment of us in the past year as believers in our culture and context. Have our good deeds shone that God is more glorified in the eyes of our society than than he was um, a year ago? That's a sobering question. Because Jesus said it should be our good deeds that shine in the world and cause God to be glorified. Mm There's a a political moment aspect to this that I I was hoping we could address. For those those who are politically minded, they want to... They love Which we all should be, by the way. Yeah, in in the best sense of the world, like they have concern and they love our country and they want it to remain a free country. Um, uh, You talk about the the rights trap. Yeah. Um, And I think the the caution that you're giving us in that section is uh, two things. So the first thing, uh, and you can tell me if I've got this way wrong. The first caution is using the church as a platform for our political opinions. Uh, And the second is letting it become more important than the gospel. So letting it steal all of our attention and focus 
on the political side of things and, and wanting to defend freedom and, and that sort of thing, which is a, a good value. Freedom is a good value. I think we can all agree. Um, but if that becomes the main thing, we miss out on the mission, the Great Commission, mm-hmm. and we miss out on God's kingdom. Um, so, so far, so good? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so now, as, as a person who's politically minded listening to this podcast, what does it mean then to steward our democracy well as a Christian? So maybe you're an individual and you're, you're, you're seeing what the government's doing and you, you don't agree. You think it, it's maybe a cost uh, too high. What's the right way to express that as, as a Christian? Yeah, great question because we're all wrestling with it, right? Mm-hmm. And so some of us will just put our fingers in our ears and just like whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And wait for this storm to pass. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, others of us feel much more inclined to like speak. So, to to put it into context, I want to remind us what we talked about very early in this at the beginning is the nature of the church and the fact that Jesus uses the word ecclesia, which is a political term. Mm-hmm. Like it was a it was a a peoplehood for the sake to, of taking responsibility for a place. Okay. Right? So for, at its very root, the church is political. By that, I mean not a political party. So this is the danger in our co- current age, is when we hear politics, it's heard very negatively, mm-hmm. or we hear it as party politics. Right. Uh, the real sense of the political is taking responsibility for the place you live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Christians... Because in the incarnation, God honored the world, right? Christians, by their very nature, our theology, the incarnation that in Christ, God moved into the neighborhood. God honored place. (laughs) He honored the world. If we don't take responsibility for the place he's put us, we're not living the incarnation, right? We're not the body of Christ in the world. Now, what should always temper us in how we respond to the political is we have different gifts and callings. Mm -hmm. I think Christians should absolutely seek to serve in the political sphere, Mm -hmm. in different roles and offices, like bring yourself to that. Um, But we do it in the spirit of Jesus, okay? And we have to be very careful that we don't expect the state to become the church. This is Karl Barth's theology, Mm -hmm. that the state doesn't become the church, which sometimes it teeters on trying to be. Mm -hmm. And we have to be very careful that the church doesn't try to act like the state. Mm -hmm. Because then the church loses its mandate and its power of the gospel, because as believers individually and corporately, as the ecclesia, we are ultimately revealing a kingdom that is not of this world. So there's going to be points where we speak to the political left with a prophetic word of correction based on the kingdom of God, which is borderless, partyless, right? Opinionless. It's based in truth, the truth of Jesus Christ revealed. So there's times we speak to the political left, and it's a prophetic word. There are times we should speak to the political right, a prophetic word of correction, because we are neither. We're neither. And we ask, what will happen to the people? Where will God's glory be revealed? And part of the nature of a democratic society, 
So this is where the rights trap comes in, in my view. The rights trap comes in now where Christians say, we have our rights by the Charter of Rights. And so now we're going to use that to stand on. Well, let's be honest. A few years ago, the church was saying other people in who were, had moral views maybe that differed, we were saying they shouldn't be able to stand on the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And we were arguing against that. That, sounds, that sounds like the church becoming state. Right. So then, when, when the church says this is how laws and policies should be set up, right, the church is trying to act like the state. Right. Okay. And so then we lose our moral credibility. Mm-hmm. Right. We lose our moral credibility because at the end of the day, it starts just looking selfish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Convenient. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. So we come, we step back, and we go, no, we're actually about the kingdom of God coming into reality in a place. Now, how will we speak to that? Sometimes it will sound, to use kind of the political spectrum language, sometimes what the church needs to say will sound like it's on the left. Mm -hmm. Jesus said some things that sounded very much on the political left. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Jesus said some things that sounded very much on the political right. Mm -hmm. And, but Christians in this time want to pigeonhole Jesus into one camp or the other because we've made him subservient to our politics that's the danger and that will backfire because that's not our mandate our mandate is to bring so when jesus responded to Pilate, he's like my kingdom's not of this world Mm -hmm. and yet uh here we are some of sometimes screaming that the world look like we want it to look we bring jesus his beauty and his power, we do that communally, so we have to work through our different stuff. But so to be engaged means individually I bring myself to something and I have gifts and talents and a particular way of seeing things, but I should always be surrendering that to the Lordship of Jesus. It's interesting how you talk about that because I can relate or just, I'm sure all of us can on some level, where there's this dissonance within our own souls. Mm-hmm. Totally. And trying to figure it out and then and that's the but that's the discipleship journey right because i'm always learning to bring things under the lordship of jesus from the life in my home yeah to life on my in my job my street my my sexuality my use of money my politics everything is it's a process of coming under the lordship of jesus because he's the king he's the king so now i'm living in a certain place in a certain historical moment, I have to figure out what it means to live that. But Christians should, this is what Peter says to the persecuted Christians in what's today Turkey. He said to them, um, you should be the best citizens the empire has, essentially. Wow. That's what you should be. Hmm. So you, you might suffer. You're probably going to suffer. <laughs> but make sure you suffer for the right things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Suffer for doing good. Suffer for your identity with Christ, but you should be the best citizens the empire has. This is this is a great conversation I had yesterday with uh, some ladies in the post-service discussion that we had on our Zoom Zoom call, and uh, one of, one of the ladies was talking about how she has a downstairs neighbor who likes to smoke outside where he's not supposed to smoke, and uh, with with all of the restriction restrictions in place. Uh, one time she, she saw him fall 
and he was he was he was on the ground and he couldn't get up mm-hmm. and he was he was breaking the rules already uh, he wasn't supposed to come in the door that he was trying to come into and she happened to have the apartment that overlooked the entranceway and she saw that he had fallen but what did she do she went downstairs she helped him get up managed to get him halfway up until somebody could come she violated all the protocols um, helped him violate the protocols in some sense because he was in need. She showed the love of Christ. She made God's kingdom her main thing. And she, she actually kind of broke the rules. But it was for doing good that she did so. And it was, mm-hmm. it was just an awesome testament to, like, this is where, where we can say, I will obey God and not man. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. Because, because then... If a, let's just say let's just say in that scenario a police officer so, so shows up, mm-hmm. how would the police officer respond? Is he going to find that person? No, not a chance, no. because they know love Trump. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> they know, yeah. Right. And if they did, they'd probably get dragged through the coals because we live in a decent society. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So so love would have trumped the moment, yeah. which is precisely what should be happening, and that's why. You know, over this year, we've been trying as a church to keep saying, do the small things greatly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can only do small things right now. That seems like such a small thing, but it was a political power statement, right? Yeah. It was the, pol- it was the kingdom of heaven shining yeah. in this small way. Yeah. And really, she, she walked in tenderness. She didn't go down there and condemn him for, right? <laughs> right? Can you imagine? No. Can you imagine she got down there? You're not supposed to be out here. Yeah. Shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> you collapsed in the wrong spot. You but I, spot. I think for those of us that are listening, and if we're having kind of a rethink and thinking, oh, man, alive, Lord, you know, I kind of got caught up in the rhetoric or whatever, what would you suggest to, to those folks, Phil? That's a good question. Do small thing greatly. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, that, but that's it. Like, you, you know, I, um, in the same way that God moves slowly, Hmm. He sent he sent Christ as a, a baby, an infant. That's a small thing, but it was the greatest of things. And into a time, by the way, when he had to submit to the power of Rome. Yes. Why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Because Rome forced forced Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. But it fulfilled the prophets mm-hmm. yeah but that only would if they chose going to bethlehem without rome forcing their hand mm-hmm. no <laughs> but that goes back again to the sovereignty of god yeah. like when we don't get it and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense he mm-hmm. has the big picture and we have you know so our, our yeah our, our thoughts are not his thoughts mm-hmm. our ways are not his ways necessarily and so yeah. So that what, yeah. back to your question there, Kathy. Like, what what do we do? And may, the yeah. the uh, the the one thing I wonder is, and this is what I've been longing for as a pastor, because this is also the stories we've been hearing as a staff, where it's actually where we're hearing great fruit, mm-hmm. is where people have just done the small thing greatly, mm-hmm. and where they've just made a disciple making connection, mm-hmm. and slowly that spills over the cup, and another thing happens and another thing happens and i really believe that beneath the surface of what we're seeing there's a current of the stream that's flowing here that the spirit of god is about and so i would just say 
where you can make a connection in the way you can make a connection that's focused on disciple making, for goodness sake, just do it. Yeah. And make it about Jesus. Don't make it about other stuff. Like just, just like just make it about him and submit everything you hear to the to the mindset of christ yes and community right this is why we should talk like this because like this is the other thing we follow our algorithms online which just lead us down rabbit holes of hearing the things we want to hear on no matter what side it's on and all of a sudden we're like we could be like miles away from the spirit of jesus but be convinced we're not Mm -hmm. and that's and i'm speaking to myself on that right this constant reorienting and connection is what we desperately need just a summer i know this is a longer podcast thanks listeners for staying staying tuned with us uh we're gonna wrap it up here um there's we've only gone halfway through this paper so do read it <laughs> maybe we'll the do another half, one of the, the second, second half. half is what do we need to do now so in 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 closing this off can let's just pray um mm-hmm. phil you pray Kathy, you pray. I'll pray. Let's all pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, you join with us in prayer as we pray into how we need to be the church now. How can we make the most of the opportunity uh, that God has given us? That's good, Joel, because that is one of the big things of what we need to do is we need to recover what it means to be a praying church. Because mm-hmm. there are things like that are so beyond any of our control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beyond right now. So... Heavenly Father, you're the Lord of all. Uh, You are sovereign and holy, and we trust you for your purposes in history, for your purposes in our lives, for your purposes for your church. Mm -hmm. And we ask that you would lead us, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, O God, where we have been off the mark, Mm -hmm. where we've been selfish and proud and angry, and where we've chosen ways that are not your ways so we 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 know you're a gracious and forgiving god so forgive us and awaken us and uh, keep sharpening your church for your glory oh lord and lord we pray that you would teach us individually but corporately as your church what it means to walk humbly with you and to walk in tenderness and to love our neighbor and um, Lord, to be, to be the light in the world. It seems ominous, but uh, Lord, you were with us every step of the way. And even though we fail, we thank you for your power of forgiveness and that your mercies are new every morning. So please, Lord, search our hearts, know our ways, and keep our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, would you help your church, us, as people, as individuals trying to seek your face and bring your kingdom here, God, would you help us be more open now than ever? Mm. Would you help us open our doors to our neighbors when they need it? Mm. Help us to step across the uh, ideological, maybe political aisle and have conversations we maybe wouldn't have had. Help us do so with the mindset of Christ who humbled himself Help us to take a listening posture, God, mm-hmm. and to step in to, uh, to the tough situations um, to bring your good news and your gospel. Um, not, we're not perfect, God, 
Mm. We're just we're just jars of clay. But we mm. carry your gospel. Help us, God, to be willing to share it whenever you give us the opportunity. Mm. In your name I pray. God, you you are compassionate and gracious. You are long-suffering for us to turn from our sin. You are abounding in love and faithfulness, and you maintain love for thousands. Mm -hmm. And God, you are just and holy. And may we look to each other to see you in each other. Mm. May we look to each other to bring you to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of, of, the, of the things we've experienced, regardless of, of how we come to each situation, um, may you be that driving force and unite us. Mm-hmm. As we look to each other, may we call each other brothers and sisters. Yes. Whether we're here in Canada or in Cameroon, Hmm. whether we are on opposite sides of a political spectrum, Mm -hmm. whether um, we are family, friends, God, um, if you do not go with us, do not send us out. (laughs) And so, God, we, we rest in your sovereignty. We give it all to you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, help us reach even more people by leaving a review, like, or share on your favorite platform. If you have any questions or comments, email us at podcast at kgfchurch.com.